friends, welcome to the Sunday Sermon segment of We Need God. Please listen as Father Carrozza offers his homily for today, which was recorded live in St. Anne's Parish. After 2,000 years of our devotion to the Blessed Mother and all the titles and honors we've given her, I think it's very easy for us to miss the contribution of Mary at that moment, or what was required of her. You know, when we first hear the Gospel reading of the Annunciation, as we hear so often, and it's such a beautiful reading, it kind of just makes sense because we know that about Mary. But let's remember something. Mary didn't know anything about her future and all the things we know about her. All she was at the time that she knew was she was a young girl betrothed to be married. The normal betrothal age for a young girl at the time of Jesus was about 13. So 13 to 16 was all she was, just a teenager. An 18-year-old girl, in fact, in the time of Jesus, who was not married, was considered an old maid, that she was too old to be given in marriage. So she was just a teenager, and she was engaged to Joseph. Now, obviously, she had a good match, and we know Joseph was a good man. So she knew that God had given her in betrothal to somebody who would take good care of her, and Joseph... The normal betrothal age for a boy was probably only about 18. So he was probably just a young boy at the time as well. We're basically talking about two teenagers here. And <clears throat> Joseph also was a man of means. I think sometimes we forget or we are misled by thinking because Jesus was laid in a manger and we talk about poverty that Jesus was born into an impoverished family. Actually, he wasn't. We know Joseph was a carpenter. But we normally think of carpenter in the sense of somebody making tables and benches and things like that. But the Greek word that's used to describe him was a tecton. And a tecton meant a skilled artisan, a finished carpenter, if you will. Somebody maybe who would do all the scroll works and all the fine design in a fine uh, piece of furniture or whatever else it would be that they were building. So he was somebody of a good talent. God had given him a skill, and that would have commanded a good salary. And they have the excavations of Joseph's house in, Nazareth, in uh, Nazareth, and Joseph's house is actually the largest house on the square. So today we probably would say Joseph would be middle to upper middle class. So Mary was uh, betrothed now to a man who was going to be able to financially take good care of her, obviously a good man who would love her. So she had everything set. And then the angel Gabriel comes and throws a monkey wrench into it all and tells her that God had chosen her to be the mother of the long-awaited Messiah. Now that was a big order. And Mary asked only one question. How could this be since I don't have relations with a man? She didn't understand how she would conceive. But then the angel Gabriel just says, it's by the help the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Hence the child will be called the Son of God. Now what did Mary do at that point? She could have said, as probably many of us would have done, well, you know, this is a really big decision. This is going to change my life. Can you give me some time to pray about it? Then give me two weeks and I'll get back to you and decide whether or not I want to do this, or can I discuss it with Joseph? You know, because it's going to affect him. I want to make sure he'll be on board. Or I need more data. Can you tell me now more of the things that it's going to require of me? What will I do? Or do you have a discernment weekend that can go on where I can pray about it and figure out whether or not I want to do this? No, she did nothing like that. She knew it was the Lord's will, and without batting an eyelash, she said, well, hey, behold, I'm the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done as, uh, according to your word. If that's what God wants me to do, that's what I do. And what a wonderful example of faith she is for us. 
Even though she didn't know any of the details of all the things that we know later came in her life as the mother of Jesus, and there were joyful moments. Obviously, we could imagine her marveling at the words of the shepherds and the wise men and Simeon and all the other people when hearing all the people hail Jesus when he was preaching. There were also sad moments, obviously, watching him suffer and die. But she also had the joy and the glory of seeing him risen from the dead. But she didn't know any of that then. She just did what God wanted her to do. And in doing that, she gave us such a beautiful example for us to follow. The Lord has a will for each and every one of us. Our general will, of course, for everyone to obey the commandments and the teachings that he teaches, gives us through the church. But then there's that particular will that is different for each and every person. What God wants me to do at this moment in my life. For some of you who are younger, it might be discerning your, your state in life, your vocation. Maybe you might even be thinking God is calling you to the priesthood or religious life. And the thought of that, I know when you first think God might be calling you to the priesthood to be a religious, uh, can be very fearful because you worry and you have all the thoughts of, gee, well, will I be successful? Will I, I be happy? What will my parents think? Believe me, I know all those thoughts because I was there when I first realized that God was calling me to be a priest. I worried about all those things too. I wondered, would I be happy? Would I be good at it? If I could have only seen then one day of the priesthood now, of what I've experienced these past 30 years, I never would have questioned it. Because the priesthood, sure, like any life, we have our difficult days, our trying times, we have our conflicts and our tensions you know, and the demands on us. But we also have such beautiful, glorious moments. And the times that I have been able to share in those make all of the difficult things just fade away. They pale in comparison to all of the glories God gives through the priesthood. And so if there's any young man here who is thinking God might be calling him to the priesthood, I would say just accept it and, and thank the Lord for it because he's calling you to the most beautiful life you can imagine. But of course that's not for everybody here. Obviously most people here are not candidates for the priesthood or for religious life. But there might be other things in our lives, maybe a vocation or maybe a personal thing going on in your life. Maybe you're dealing with a sinful addiction of one sort or another and you know you really have to overcome it. And you, you know you should, you'd be better off without it, but we get afraid. Well, will I succeed? You know, what will my life be without this? I'm so used to turning to this for my comforts. How will I live without it? What will I get? Uh, what would my family and friends say if I have to go away for some time, maybe, to a treatment program? How will I deal with that? Will I be ashamed before them? Now, many different things that will go through our minds. Or maybe for other people it might be you have a conflict with a family member. Maybe there's an estrangement. You had a fight with somebody long ago and you haven't spoken in years and it's bothering you. You know that we really should mend this. And you want to, but you don't know how that other person will respond if you pick up the phone and call and say, hey, you know, can we talk? It's been a long time. They might just say, I have nothing to say to you and hang up the phone. And you might feel you don't want to go through that pain. But they might also be the same, looking for the reconciliation the way you do. And maybe you're waiting for them to call and maybe God is saying, no, maybe I need to be the one to call to start the reconciliation. And sure, we may not know what will happen, but... We can be fearful of it all. But whatever it may be, and there may be many other things that we know the Lord is calling us to do at this moment in our lives, let's hear the voice of the Lord saying to us, 
as the angel Gabriel said to Mary, you have, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to do God's will. He would not call us to do something and then abandon us. Hear him saying to you, don't worry, I will be there each and every step of the way with you. Do you think I would call you to do something and then abandon you and then leave you to your own efforts when you need it the most? I wouldn't do that to you. I will be there, I will guide you, I will be at your side each and every step of the way. I won't let you down. I won't leave you to handle things alone. And so, whenever you hear God's will for you, always say yes to it, never no. Adam and Eve said no, thinking they knew better than God, and they brought sin into the world. Mary said yes to the Father, not knowing where it would lead her, and she brought us our Savior. Jesus said yes to his Father's will, knowing fully well it would lead him to the cross, and he won us our salvation. In all things then pray, first to know God's will, ask him to tell you what it is that he wants you to do at this moment in life, what he wants to tell you in your heart, and then give you the strength to carry it out. Even if you don't know where it will lead you, it may lead to the joy of the manger or the pain of Calvary, but it always, always leads to salvation. Remember that the will of God will never lead you where His grace cannot sustain you. So fear not, but always trust in God. May Jesus Christ be praised. Now and forever. Thank you for listening to this week's homily by Father Carrozza. If you enjoyed this homily, please pass the word on to your friends and invite them to listen. For more materials from Father Carrozza, please visit www.fathercarrozza.com.